Good morning, Pensacola. Andrew McKay and the Pensacola Morning News starts right now. It's been one week since you looked at me. Cock your head to the side and said I'm angry. Five days since you laughed at me. Saying get that together, come back and see me. Three days since the living room. I realize it's all my fault but couldn't tell you. Yesterday you'd forgiven me. But it'll still be two days till I say I'm sorry. Hold it now, I want to hoodwink. Does it make you stop think? You'll think you're looking at Aquaman. Summon fish to the dish, although I like the shallow Swiss, I like the sushi, cause it's never touch a frying pan. Hot like wasabi when I bust rhymes, big like Leanne rhymes, because I'm all about value. Bert Camper's got the mad hits, you try to match wits, you try to hold me but a bust through. Can I make a break and take a bake out like a sink and they can shake out like vanilla? It's the finest. We have also repeatedly made clear that we at Harvard reject anti-Semitism and denounce any trace of it on our campus or within our community. Anti-Semitism is a symptom of ignorance. And the cure for ignorance is knowledge. Harvard must model what it means to preserve free expression while combating prejudice and preserving the security of our community. So those were maybe, let's just say, the less publicized clips from the very long campus anti-Semitism hearing that was done back in the beginning of December that involved Claudine Gay, uh, Claudine Gay the president of Harvard, well, former now president of Harvard, uh, Elizabeth McGill from UPenn, who is now the former president of UPenn, and then Sally Kornbluth, who's still holding on at MIT. Now, interestingly, um, even though Claudine Gay, big headline news yesterday, Claudine Gay has resigned, she's still going to be a professor and apparently still going to get her money. So, I mean, that seems like a, a promotion. <laughs> you know, you, you have less work. You don't have to handle all of the stress and difficulty of being the president. You get to go back to teaching, and you get, I guess, all of your pay or something. That's how I read it in at least one of the stories. So um, thanks for the help. Um, Elizabeth McGill, I, sorry, um, Sally Kornbluth, same thing. Uh, no, excuse, excuse me, the other one. Elizabeth McGill, I, I heard the same thing. Like, she stayed on at UPenn, just not the president. And I don't know about the money, uh, so we'll see. But this is just kind of interesting. What also is interesting is that, you know, Claudine Gay had the just terrible, and Cornbluth both had these, um, and Miguel had these terrible interactions with Elise Stefanik, where they just couldn't say that somebody calling for genocide against the Jews on campus is a violation of their uh, campus hate speech policies. <laughs> you know, like that's not hard to do, but they had the trouble. But they were clear, and I should say this, and it's worth saying that in the hearings at other times, the clips I just played for you, they were really clear that they reject anti-Semitism. The problem is that's sort of the broad brush answer. They know they have to say that, and I don't I don't dispute that they believe it. But then when you get down to things like measuring diversity of religion or measuring diversity of Jewish students or, you know, doing anything to actually hold people accountable for, you know, real calls for violence and racial hatred activity, not just that they hate Jews or that they hate Israel, but that they, you know, really I mean, again, the things we told you at the time, if they had said this about black people, they would have obviously stood up and said this is wrong. They would have done something to prevent it. So they did take a position that in general it's wrong. But that's the problem is they know in general it's wrong. They can't say in specific what they're going to do to stop it. So Claudine Gay is out. But I do want to talk about this for a second because there was actually a lot from this hearing that we never did get a chance to, to actually go through. Very, very important errors in the belief system around 
what's going on in higher education these days at Harvard, at UPenn, at MIT. And the clip I just played in the middle of that montage is one of the most important ones. Listen to this one more time. This is a short clip, but it's extremely important. Anti-Semitism is a symptom of ignorance. And the cure for ignorance is knowledge. A remedy for ignorance is knowledge. But the basic structure of what they believe is that if only we could do better classwork, if only we could have better teachers, if only we could get more people to come to our school and other schools like ours who are going to teach people what's true and give them true information about Jews and about racism and about historical anti-Semitism, then what we can do is we can eliminate anti-Semitism in the world. And that's false. Because anti-Semitism, like most forms of class-based or status-based or race or gender-based hatred, may sometimes be a byproduct of ignorance. You know, the long-standing, uh, and I, I say liberal here not as a criticism, just as a, this is the argument. The long-standing liberal defense of things like, for example, affirmative action comes in two parts. Part number one is you're remedying historic injustice, which has systemically excluded people from even being eligible for the benefits of higher education. Also, you want to make sure that you overcome what's been done to keep people out institutionally from any particular access to opportunity, whether it's on a police force or whether it's at higher ed, it doesn't really matter. Um, But the other part of it, okay, the campus diversity argument part of affirmative action has always been Hey, the way we fix racism is we force white people to sit in a classroom with black people and talk. The way we, uh, you know, the way we overcome sexism is we get men and women to work together and to learn to respect each other because they start to see each other as equals, as peers, as you know, people who have common projects in, in, that they need to share. That's the historic argument for affirmative action aside from the remedy of past injustice, and it's also the argument that you hear today about campus diversity is. They're wanting to expose people to viewpoints and worldviews and experience sets outside of their own norm. So they really believe that if only you could do enough mixing of races and religions and genders in terms of socializing and educational settings, eventually you can fix all the bigotry in the world. You know, if, if only straight people who think that being gay is bad knew more gay people, they'd stop thinking that. You know, if only you knew more people who had abortions, you'd stop thinking abortion was bad. If only this is I mean, this is a much bigger viewpoint than just the question of anti-Semitism, right? The idea is is that you force people to have experiences outside of what they know. And it turns as um as Craig uh, from last week would have said, and I, and rightly so, I think it's a great viewpoint is that you know, you got to remember that people are the uh, people are at the root of all of these issues and consider the people not just the issue. And it's harder to be sort of militant about a whole range of topics if you know people who represent the issue about which you might formerly have been militant. So there is a truth to this. But there is also an error in thinking that you can just educate people out of evil. Anti-Semitism is not merely a symptom of ignorance because you have some extremely highly educated people who are anti-Semitic or anti-black, or pick whatever topic you want to say. It's not merely the fools and ignoramuses of the world who represent that viewpoint. 
And even though I agree that education helps, education is not a miracle cure. There's evil in the world. And there's also, you know, you can't avoid saying it. There's spiritual deception in the world. And especially surrounding an issue like Judaism and anti-Semitism, to think that it's merely ignorance is itself ignorant. To think even that it's merely ignorance and sort of -of run-of-the-mill evil is also ignorance because there's spiritual blindness, oppression, whatever you want to call it, there's a massive dose of that on that particular topic. And I would say on a lot of these topics of bigotry and evil and hatred. So that basic premise that you can just kind of give people better books in classrooms and they will stop being evil is a premise that they all share. It is a misguided premise. Nevertheless, she's out at Harvard. Now, I should also say this is a very important thing to make sure that we get into the segment. Um, She's not out because of these comments. The faculty were behind her. The failure in the hearing is not the reason she's out. It might have been the sort of start of the fuse. But the real reason she's out is because of uh, evidence that she engaged in inadequate academic citations. People are calling it plagiarism. That's a bit heavy-handed, I think, for what the evidence seems to show. But that she, several different occasions, including on her doctoral dissertation, did not do enough of the appropriate crediting of sources outside of her own work and that's why she's had to resign, is over that plus the other. Now, the third thing they've thrown into this is now it's an anti-black thing, that people want her out because she's the first black president of Harvard with the shortest tenure of any president of Harvard ever now. I will say this. I am sure there are racists who pushed for and celebrate her leaving. I am just as sure that that is the most minimal slice of the reasons that people opposed her. That doesn't explain why people wanted to get, you know, uh, Elizabeth McGill out because she's white. So to say that this is somehow a witch hunt for a black witch, which is kind of how it's being portrayed by a lot of people, uh, including herself, and I'm sure I, I have no doubt that she got horrible racist emails because I know people. The question is, was that the real reason? Was that the real problem? And and by the way, I think part of the reason that Harvard dragged its feet for so long on this is because they felt like they had to defend their first female black president, and they didn't want to let it look like they were letting the racists win. They didn't want to let it look like they caved to a... I mean, I'm sure all that's a factor here. But the real issue was was her answers... And then the subsequent discovery that she's got issues with appropriate citation for academic works. Which, interestingly, if that's the primary reason they're letting her, or that she resigned, why would you let her stay on as a teacher? I mean, if that's enough for you to lose your job as as the president, it's certainly enough to let you lose your job as an instructor as well. So there's all kinds of issues here, but mostly I wanted to talk about that you know, premise mistake of thinking that you can just put better books in people's hands and therefore they will stop. I mean, you know, books are in, books include things that are like Mein Kampf is a book, you know, and people read it. And they're not total fools and idiots who have read it and come to horrible, terrible, evil conclusions. Some of the most intelligent people in the history of the world have been racists and misogynists and all kinds of ists that you can't just fix by putting better books in their hands. And that's the main thing I want you to take away from the segment. 521 on News Radio 92.3, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. 
Is your home your dream home? Or does it at least have the potential to be your dream home? Maybe you need to make a change. Maybe you just need new appliances. If that's the case, you need to check out Topps Appliance in Milton. Locally owned and operated, Topps Appliance has just what you need to turn your home into your dream home. Top of the line freezers, refrigerators, dishwashers, stoves, plus washer and dryer combos. Topps Appliance carries the name brands that you know and trust, including GE, Hot Point, Speed Queen, and so much more. And they have a full installation and service department, something the big box stores just don't offer. They also keep Keep most items in stock so you can take it home today. Turn your ordinary home into your dream home with an appliance upgrade from Topps Appliance. Highway 90 in Milton, just east of Stewart Street. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up? <sighs> I'm tired of feeling so bloated. That used to be me. Then I got this. Aligned bloating relief plus food digestion. A probiotic, right? Yeah, it works naturally with your gut to help soothe occasional bloating and gas. Plus, it has vitamin B12 to aid digestion by helping convert food to cellular energy. Two benefits, one capsule. Aligned bloating relief plus food digestion from the number one doctor-recommended probiotic brand. Learn more at AlignedProbiotics.com. <laughs> My dad has a cold, but also has high blood pressure. That's why I got him Vicks DayQuil High Blood Pressure for max strength daytime relief. Unlike some ordinary cold medicines, it's specially formulated for people like my dad. DayQuil High Blood Pressure is sugar-free, alcohol-free, and decongestant-free. Vicks DayQuil High Blood Pressure. The daytime, non-drowsy, coughing, aching, fever, sore throat, cold and flu for people with high blood pressure. Like my dad. Medicine. Use it directed. Guy Benson, keeping you informed of the news every day at 2, right after Mark Lee Van Camp and Robbins on News Radio 923. Informative, local, dependable. Quickly as you can, snatch the pebble from my hand. You know how we talk about like air guitar and air drum, but in my case, I get table drum. Oh yeah, <laughs> I oh, get yeah. I get Jake the drummer playing Smashing Pumpkins, accompanying mm-hmm. live for me in the morning. I love it. Five twenty-five on News Radio ninety-two-three, informative, local, dependable. I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola morning news. You're headed west on I ten this morning. Uh, anticipate some relatively rough weather. It's uh, kind of lingering in our direction. It's more just in the. It's scattered around Escambia County and really a lot out over the Gulf. But if you get over towards Louisiana this morning, it's a it's a mess over there. Uh, and it'll kind of be drifting maybe northeast, east northeast towards Birmingham this morning. Even some snow. It looks like uh, heading across the um, uh, the Mississippi Alabama border this morning. Four three seven sixteen twenty. David, not not south on I ten, but like north, about midway through the state. Uh, David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David, a federal appeals court has now ruled that Texas can ban abortions even in medical emergencies. On Tuesday, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against a U.S. Department of Health and Human Services order that medical providers should offer abortions during medical emergencies, even in states where they're banned. Yeah, th- this is a really. I didn't get into this a lot when it happened, but the woman who tried to get an abortion under the emergency medical exemptions element of the Texas law was then turned down. And I 
be honest with you, I don't understand exactly why she was turned down, but um, it seemed to me like she was appealing under what are normally acceptable emergency conditions. And to now, you know, to have the rule come down that or the, the you know, the decision come down that um, a state could ban it without making exceptions. Um, that's actually a state purview, right? The state gets to make the rules. That's the byproduct of the decision in Dobbs. Um, so it's not surprising. I just thought it was weird that I thought Texas had made a provision for this and then they didn't allow her to take advantage of it, which I just, it was kind of a weird situation. Sorry, David, go ahead. Well, it looks like uh, New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez is facing even more uh, criminal charges now, federal charges. A new indictment returned yesterday. Officials now accusing Menendez of making positive comments about Qatar in exchange for expensive items, including luxury wristwatches. Uh, of course, he's also accused as, of acting as an agent for the Egyptian government. And the list of names connected to the Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell sex trafficking conspiracy, they say, could be released any day now by the judge in Manhattan. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. That's been all the talk on uh, social media. Just lately. release it. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, like, uh, could be tomorrow. It could be today. Could be Friday. I think yesterday yeah, not, there was uh, <laughs> yeah. there was like things going around, but it turned out to be the flight logs that were released back in 2021 and all that. So, all right, David. Th- no, but I just think it's funny how we're getting this big tease of when it's going to be released instead of just you know just tell me when it's out. You know, it's kind of like tell me when the bridge is open, <laughs> right? You know, because I know I can't trust the due dates. You I'd know, like so. to announce we'll be making a big announcement. It, yeah, exactly right. Five twenty-seven here on News Radio ninety-two-three. David, thanks so much for the update. Four three seven sixteen twenty. Four three seven sixteen twenty. Uh, is my phone number. Uh, Very interesting conversation around this new requirement for disclosure of financial assets under the Florida ethics law. And the reason this is an issue is because what you used to have is if you were a county commissioner, for example, uh, you know, if you were a county commissioner, if you're a state senator, state representative, I believe is who this applied to previously, you had to, you know, tell everybody where your money was. Form six is what it's called. Your net worth, 401k uh, plans, personal assets and liabilities, anything over $1,000. County commissioners, the governor, school board members, all required to do it. I, see, now I thought it was state reps and state senators. I could be wrong um, previously. But in any case, uh, now it's everybody, any elected official. Any elected official, which, uh, you know, uh, Channel th- 3, yes, Channel 3 did an interview with uh, Casey Jones from the city council because the, the challenge of this on the one hand, yes, it seems like a very good thing to find out who's got money where because then you know how they're voting on things or at least you can know that they're not voting on things for the reasons that you would assume, right? Um, but I'm not sure I'm a fan and I'll tell you why. It it strikes me that I don't know that this solves the problems of bad behavior and motives and allegations of corruption. I mean... We still have a lot of questions about county commissioners, even though this law has been in place for them. And on the other hand, it's going to definitely discourage people from running. And there's a very, very small portion of people who are willing to run for office in the first place. It's really not the kind of thing where we're overflowing with candidates, because especially in the modern era, nobody wants to go through the hell that is being a candidate and even, you know, the hell that is being an elected official a lot of times. And I want more candidates. Or I should say, I don't want good people who maybe just aren't thrilled about the prospect of telling everybody where their money is. <laughs> you know, that, that I don't want that to be the barrier. 
I mean, we already have barriers, right? Like, for instance, people are always asking me, Andrew, are you going to run for office? Well, I can't run for office and keep this job. And I'm not independently wealthy. So guess what you don't get? <laughs> you can't run. You can't vote for me. Now, if I could maybe keep this job and run for office, I still wouldn't do it. I'm just telling you, I wouldn't do it anyway. But this, it's impossible. Okay? And there's all kinds of other people who have all kinds of reasons why they also, you know, because of their financial life, in my case, it's just I need this job. Uh, in their case, it might be what they own or, you know, whatever. I don't know that we need to know all of that for the city council member. Fox News, I'm C.J. Papa. Former President Donald Trump files an appeal with Maine's Superior Court to block the move by Maine's Democratic Secretary of State to keep him off the state's primary ballot. There are pending cases in nearly a dozen states remove the former president from their ballots. December shatters the record for migrant encounters. Today, House Speaker Mike Johnson, along with a group of Republican lawmakers, traveled to the border to draw attention to the crisis. New York Congressman Mark Milanaro. 2.4 million in the last year. I mean, there is, it, it is true, utter chaos. And the president continues to ignore uh, what is a national and humanitarian crisis uh, at our southern border. The Republican earlier on Fox and Friends first. Separate probes in Japan into that crash on the runway between a Coast Guard plane and a commercial jet. Five people died. America is listening to Fox News. Good morning. 531 at News Radio. 92.3 right now, 45 degrees. It is mostly cloudy in Pensacola today. Governor Ron DeSantis may have his best chance yet to reclaim the number two spot in the Republican primary. CNN announcing yesterday that DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and Donald Trump were the only ones that qualified for next week's debate in Iowa. Trump, though, says he won't be a part of it again. That means DeSantis and Haley would be on stage by themselves. The debate is set for next Wednesday in Des Moines just five days before the Iowa caucus. Well, with the 2024 Florida legislative session now only a week away, state lawmakers are gearing up to tackle many issues, including the state uh, property insurance market, homeowners insurance market. That's been a longstanding issue. Florida homeowners reportedly pay more than triple the national average to insure their houses. Lawmakers are now looking at available money that could be used to bring those costs down. One possibility is using money left over from the Florida Optional Reassistance insurance program that was funded more than a year ago now because if they use it they'll that they'll have a savings that they'll have to pass on to consumers uh state senator alex andrade tells channel three there's three things driving up costs uh hurricanes litigation costs and the actual losses for insurance companies he's looking at what can be done on the state level to bring those costs down well keeping public servants accountable Or invading their privacy? That's the question uh, generating debate about one new Florida law. You know, I I can see both sides of that argument. Um, I I understand most people don't want everyone knowing all of their personal financial details. So uh, that that can be something that makes people nervous, I guess. Pensacola City Councilman Casey Jones talked with Channel 3. One new law taking effect in Florida in the new year requires elected leaders to file a Form 6 and disclose their net worth, retirement accounts, and liabilities over $1,000. There are reports that some lawmakers around the state have resigned over the law, giving supporters validation it may be a necessary step. One of our local lawmakers leading the charge to make sure businesses can't stop taking cash. On any dollar bill you have in your wallet, 
it says right here, this note is legal tender for all debts, public and private. We are simply asking the businesses of Florida to respect our currency. State Representative Joel Rudman co-sponsoring House Bill 35. That proposed law would require businesses to accept cash as payment with a few exceptions, including not requiring businesses to accept large bills or requiring cash for phone or online transactions. One of Florida's top Republicans facing more disturbing accusations. Police in Sarasota now investigating Florida GOP Chairman Christian Ziegler on video voyeurism charges. He's already under investigation for rape. Both accusations are from the same woman for the same encounter. She claims Ziegler raped her and recorded her without her consent. Again, no charges have been filed. Ziegler maintains his innocence. It is 535, and let's get a look at our Channel 3 weather forecast at News Radio 92.3. It is going to be a wet day today with a 100% chance of showers. Temperatures near 51 degrees for your high. Overnight tonight, temperatures dropping into 35 degrees. For Thursday, sunshine returns, sunny skies with a high near 55. Thursday night, temperatures dropping near 40 degrees. For Friday, mostly sunny for the first half of the day with a high near 64. Rain chances moving in late Friday evening. This is Brooke Richardson from the First Morning Weather Center. Right now, 45 in Pensacola, 46 in Gulf Breeze, 40 in Milton. Our next news at 6 and breaking news anytime it happens. I'm David Wayne, News Radio 92.3. Hey, Pensacola, get ready for a midday delight that will have you hooked. Weekdays from 11 until 2 on News Radio Pensacola. Tune in to the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins are their dynamic trio that will keep you entertained, informed, and laughing out loud during your lunch break. They dish out the hottest topics, bring you the latest news, and deliver their unique blend of humor and insight that will have you coming back for more. It's the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show on News Radio Pensacola. 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. When you were 18, you spent your spring break in Cancun. The party was legendary, and you speak of it often, even though you don't remember half of it. The geeky kid who sat across from you in math class stayed home, practicing calculus. You made fun of her. A lot. That is, until last year, when you owed the IRS a lot of money and called the certified public accountants at Benakis & Associates. And she answered the phone. Who's laughing now? The number crunchers at Benakis & Associates live and breathe accounting and tax preparation. It's practically in their DNA. When you need to know what the heck a Form 656-PPV is, call Benakis & Associates. When you need a QuickBooks Pro Advisor, call Benakis & Associates. When you need someone who practices long division for fun, call Benakis & Associates. Now in the historic district on 120 South Alconies and online at flacpas.com. Benakis & Associates. Leave the numbers to the experts. Hello, this is Mary with Howard Young Flooring. Shopping for flooring can be a little overwhelming. At Howard Young Flooring, we are here to help you any way we can and answer any questions you may have so that you can make knowledgeable decisions. We understand the importance of each and every customer and would like to thank you for allowing us into your homes. For those we have not met, we hope to see you soon. Visit us today at 4333 Avalon Boulevard in Milton. We look forward to covering your future. 
Hobbies can be fun and expensive. How about a hobby that's fun and could make you money? Find out tomorrow morning at 10 with Emerald Coast Coins. Hear about precious metals and metal detectors as a great hobby. For nearly 20 years, Emerald Coast Coins has been one of the top-rated businesses in Northwest Florida to buy and sell gold, silver, and the best metal detectors to find treasure. Get more information about this tomorrow morning on the Pensacola Expert Panel. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. Wrap up your day with all of the national, state, local sports and entertainment news with Pensacola right now with Joe and Austin on News Radio 923. Five thirty-eight News Radio ninety-two-three, informative, local, dependable. Happy Wednesday! Good to be here with you. Yesterday we had a chance to talk to. Did I say yesterday? I don't know. Yesterday, uh, <laughs> um, that's what they call it in Pennsylvania. No, oh, no, I didn't get a good no. Minnesota can't throw an Amish joke in there. All right, fine. Anyway, um, <laughs> now I can't even probably say it right. The day before today. Um, you know, my kids, this is completely unrelated to anything. Uh, you know how kids come up with weird ways of missaying something and it's kind of adorable and endearing? For the longest time, even into their, gosh, low teens, I know, at least one of my, my boys, never said, um, what do you say? It, it, they never said tomorrow. They always said next day. And it, Daddy, where are we going next day? Like, oh, but you'll, you'll eventually grow out of it. <laughs> You know, it's just kind of one of those weird things. Uh, anyway, yesterday I spoke with Sheriff Chip Simmons about a variety of matters. First time we've talked in several weeks. Uh, great to have you back on the show, Ch- Sheriff. Welcome back. Uh, good morning, Andrew. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing well. I, had, I enjoyed the football yesterday, so I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm in a pretty good mood this morning. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, that I don't really see an awful lot of, and this is good, this is good, I don't see a lot of, you know, big, terrible crimes the one I did see, North of Scambia, had a report about a guy in Molino who allegedly attacked his girlfriend with a sword and a hammer on Christmas Eve. Um, aggravated battery, deadly weapon, strangulation, domestic violence related. I just, you know, you bring somebody over for Christmas and uh, and then he threatens your life. I mean, this is the boyfriend comes over for Christmas and uh, allegedly uh, and and worse. This is. This is stuff you and I talk about all the time. Is domestic stuff is just so hard to predict, right? Uh, yeah, this is not you know this is not your hallmark you know Christmas type type scenario. There, no, this is a situation where, as you said, a, a boyfriend divided over to hopefully spend some time during the holidays, ends up escalating into a a, a fight and and weapons for use. And we do we talk about it you know quite a bit that there are uh, still a number of times where or too many times where uh, domestic violations or, or domestic uh, situations escalate and end up, you know, sometimes uh, people get harmed by it. Yeah, it's just terrible stuff to hear. But other than that, I didn't see anything that was, you know, particularly noteworthy over the last week or two, especially with the, you know, Christmas weekend and then New Year's weekend. Did you have anything that I'm missing? You know, I just uh, took another look through my, my what we call our unusual reports, um, all the reports that our shift commanders and, and sergeants will let, let us know what's, what, what took place overnight, you know, while we were all sleeping. 
Um, and they're really for the for the long weekend, for like the two weeks um, in the past, we have had uh, a relatively quiet weekend. In fact, it's been about as as quiet as I can remember for a a New Year's Eve, and then even before that for Christmas Eve. So I guess that's good, right? I, I will take it. <laughs> never will complain. I'll never complain about that. Uh, I know we're still now just in the relative infancy of the Shot Spotter program, but of course now with the uh, PPD having their three uh, miles, you have your three square miles, so we got six square miles between the two. Um, and of course, I know you're working on the Real Time Crime Center as well. Um, how did Shot Spotter do uh, over this time, and particularly on New Year's Eve? How did it do? Uh, you know, they don't. They haven't given me the exact numbers, as I understand it. Though we have had, you know, we did have a couple. But but remember, um, these are just uh, indications that a shot has been fired, not necessarily that one has been fired in anger. Right. Um, and we do respond to every single one of them. Um, so our numbers are uh, two. Since we've had it up probably in the dozens, um, but but I think as I'm, like I can recall, there's only one um, that was actually a, a shooting that we ended up right making an arrest out of. That's again, that's good. I I, I was really curious the. As I understand the technology, you correct me if I'm wrong, it can distinguish between not only between a gun and a firework, but even between different calibers of gun. Like it'll tell you that sounds like a nine millimeter, or that sounds like a seven six two, and it will not misinterpret firecrackers or, you know, bottle rockets or any of that kind of stuff. Am I right about that? Yeah, it's supposed to differentiate between rounds, uh, calibers, obviously it lets you know the number of shots and even the direction that the shot is going towards or, or from. Um, but, but it's supposed to distinguish between fireworks, um, you know, car backfires and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, again, I, it's technology, so I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say it was 100% do that. Uh, but we have noticed that um, so far we have we found showcasings where it says that the gunshots have, um, you know, or, or have, have been indicated for. That's great. I think that uh, the important part, again, if you remember, is that, not just a shot spotter program, but the thing that I'm even more um, I'm looking forward to is the, the real-time crime center itself. The the incorporation of all the videos that the video feeds that we can gather um, from you know government entities and then some voluntary um, business owners and, and even homeowners, and then we, we incorporate the shot spotter with that. Um, you know, and then we partnership with the city of Pensacola, so we, we should have a pretty good um, idea, a pretty good um, umbrella, if you will ultimately, of, of cameras on this, what we call our star network. Right. No, that's, that's fantastic when that rolls out. I've been meaning to ask, and I just I don't know the answer. That's, I sometimes like to ask those kind of questions, too. Um, when I'm in my neighborhood on New Year's Eve, I hear things happen outside, and I usually just figure it's New Year's Eve. I'm not going to call in any of that stuff. Um, there are times that I'm like, well, that kind of sounded, I thought, maybe more like a gunshot, and that sounded more like a firework you're an expert in this area. Can you tell, like, if you're in your house or if you're out and about somewhere, can do you feel like you know the difference between a firework and a, a bullet going off? I, I I think I do. I I will. Um, I know that a lot of other law enforcement officers will probably tell you that if you hear something and, and you know, and we're all together, we all look at each other like, and our first thing is, it's like everyone else would say. That sounds like a gunfire, or that's you know that's fireworks or a car backfire or something. Uh-huh. Now I can tell you that sometimes from a distance it may be hard to differentiate. Right. But I I think that, that there is a difference, and sometimes it's it's the number of rounds. You know, if you obviously hear them all night, hopefully it's fireworks. If it's if you only hear you know one or two, and you're like that seems a little bit odd, or especially if it's um, during hunting season, <laughs> and you live near yeah. a wooded area, there may well be some shotgun shotgun uh, blast. 
Um, I, I, I think you, if you if you've heard enough of them, I think you can tell uh, typically tell a difference. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the pattern of the noise it can be as telling as the noise itself because you know if they're going off, you know what that is. But if it's dot 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 dot, dot yeah, I mean <laughs> that's it, gunfire sounds different in, in in frequency if not in actual sound effect. One of the things I've uh, kind of heard lately is people are asking. It seems like we see more pursuits. It seems like we see more chases. Uh, with the Scamby County. Is is that true? Is there, because I know you and I have talked about chase policy a lot, but is there anything going on in that regard? Well, I, I would say that there is. We have, um, I, I've given my ship lieutenants a little more authority to pursue stolen cars. In fact, when I was looking through my unusuals, the only thing I did see were about three um, you know, pursuits. And one of them resulted in a, what we call a pit maneuver, or a situation where we get behind him and we spin him out a little bit. Um, and end up stopping, hopefully stopping the uh, the pursuit. So of the three that I noticed, one of them uh, we used a pit maneuver, and the other two were canceled. So we're not saying that that we will pursue all stolen cars, uh, but but they're felonies, and we have learned that uh, what some of these people in our neighborhood and our community are doing is they're stealing cars and then they're hiding them for a while and then using them for drive-by shootings. And so I I quite frankly have, have gotten tired of that, and so I, I authorized our lieutenants to make that that call. And, and keeping in mind the you know the, the conditions, the time of day, the the road traffic, and just how how they're driving, I've also instructed them to try to end the chase as quickly as they can. So if they can pursue a car, they can also spin the car, uh, and hopefully apprehend the people that are you know they're stealing cars um, with the thought that they may well be on their way to do a drive-by shooting. Okay, no, so th- this makes sense to me because historically, what you've always said is that you know forcible felonies, uh, serious danger to people is justification to chase. Typically, you don't unless that's the situation. But in this case, uh, as a pattern, you've seen that stolen cars are being used in those kinds of crimes. Therefore, it's kind of like the um, you know the precedent to the other thing. Let's catch them now before it gets to the other thing because the other thing is happening too often. Okay, I don't, that makes sense. I, I appreciate that. Hey, last thing, and, and this and, and here's the thing, and, and here's the thing too. It's not their car. They shouldn't be stealing someone's car. And um, you know, if you're concerned about us chasing you, you should be. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of an odd one, but um, California has just enacted a law that says that cops are prohibited from approaching the car and using the sort of standard line of, do you know why I pulled you over? They're actually required to tell the person, I pulled you over for speeding, or I pulled you over for your brake lights, right? or I pulled you over for reckless driving, or I, like they're, they're required to declare the infraction uh, to the driver of the car. Does ECSO have a standard on what you're supposed to say when you approach and is telling the driver the reason, is that part of it? Uh, it, it is part of it. It's what when our um, our deputies go through their field training, we're told when you stop a car, identify yourself, and then tell them why you stop them. I don't think that it's in our policy, and, and quite frankly, I'm I'm surprised that California, with all the concerns they have over there, that they're worried about you know that that initial um, setup to a traffic stop. Um, it's not a secret. I think that a deputy should tell them, hey, this is why I stopped you. You were speeding, or you ran that stop sign. Um, in what order, you know, whether they tell them that before they identify themselves, I, you know, as long as they tell them that, as long as they're professional, I, I can live with it. Okay. And I had, I just remember there was this great story Scott Collins, new city manager in Milton, had told when he came on. He was a former cop, and he remembers one time when he pulled a guy over for speeding like 80, and he said, Do you know why I pulled you over? And the guy said, Son, if you don't know why you pulled me over, I'm leaving. And he did. <laughs> 
and, and he said, all right, lesson learned. <laughs> I know what I need to tell people in the future. And uh, that was kind of, it was a funny story, but still it kind of makes sense. Like, you know, if you're going to pull somebody over and impede their, their life for a minute, uh, you ought to maybe declare to them why you did it. Uh, Sheriff Chip Simmons, he's the Scambia County Sheriff. Sir, thank you so much for the time as always and keeping us safe and, and honestly adjusting policy to fit the changing um, law enforcement needs of the community. I appreciate that, sir. We'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. 549 here on News Radio 923, informative, local, dependable. If you're thinking about that next vehicle, trying to decide where to go, I recommend Frontier Motors. Hey, look around. I don't mind, but you know, start at Frontier Motors, and here's why. You'll probably find that with their selection, with their commitment to good quality, reliable cars you can count on, you know, one, two, three years old, low miles, great condition. You may find that, you know, 300 cars is enough for you to look through, and you only have to go to one place to look at them. Now, feel free to look around and, you know, I don't mind, they don't mind, whatever. I'm just telling you, start there. Be sure to include them on your list. And the kind of car they specialize again is what I would call the Dave Ramsey Special, which is the car that's not brand new, but it's not real old either. And you're going to get it in, like, the kind of car I like to buy. You know, I bought a Civic that I drove to 330,000 miles that I bought at 27. Uh, My Civic I've got now, I picked up, uh, I can't remember how many miles, 40 or 50, something like that, relatively new. Um, Same thing. I just like to... Pick a car that's relatively new and then drive it for forever and ever because that's how you get your most value out of the car. That's what they specialize in. Cars you can count on that are a year, maybe two, three years old and good prices. Uh, Frontier Motors serving the Pensacola community right behind the um, Big Buffalo on Beverly Parkway for more than 25 years. Be sure to tell them Andrew McKay says hi. Join the Great Southern Restaurant Group, home to the Fish House, Atlas Oyster House, Jackson's, Angelina's, and Five Sisters, today on the Pensacola Expert Panel at 9. They'll be talking about Atlas Beverage Class, Winter Restaurant Week, Valentine's Day, Pensacon, and other fun things you won't want to miss. That's all today at 9 on the Pensacola Expert Panel with Great Southern Restaurants. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 AM 1620. You know what you want to do in retirement, but do you know how to get there? Tune in to What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair of Swan Capital, Saturdays at 1, to get answers to your retirement planning questions. Plan today so you can do all the things you've dreamt about doing in retirement. Don't miss What Your Money Would Say with Andrew McNair, Saturdays at 1. Firm offers insurance services, advisory services offered through Swan Capital, LLC. Join Stefan Schmidt, Marine Service Technology Instructor at Georgetown Technical College for Boat Smart on the Pensacola Expert Panel this Friday at 10 a.m. Key Marine sponsoring the show. When Key Marine needs to hire Marine Service technicians, they hire students from Georgetown Technical College. Have a boating question for Stefan? Then give us a call at 437-1620. It's a dream team, so join them this Friday at 10 a.m. The Pensacola Expert Panel, 9 to 11 weekdays on News Radio 92.3 a.m. 1620. It's News Radio Pensacola on 92.3, 95.3, AM 1620, the website, the app, or your smart device. It's news on your terms. And we'll get our first glimpse of the average Joe squad sporting some unwieldy uniforms. I feel like I'm watching a share video, Cotton. So I do have a uh, just a somewhat minor but still a traffic note you may want to keep in mind this morning. If 
your day takes you uh, through Burgess Road across from West Florida High School in that vicinity, uh, anywhere east of Palafox and, you know, over towards Oakfield. Uh, this morning I saw that they have utility crews out on Burgess doing pole replacement work, which they've been doing all over the area for quite some time now. That will mean likely uh, lane closures, reductions, and uh, traffic delays in that area. The good news and I mean this genuinely is good news, is the kids are out of school, so you don't have to deal with... I, I, when I first saw this this morning, I'm like, oh, good Lord, who made this decision? <laughs> you know, because traffic there is already hell pretty much during the day. Um, but they're out of school for another week. So actually credit to, I assume, uh, the folks at the school board who, you know, talked to the folks at uh, presumably FBL and said, hey, can you maybe do this while the kids are out of school? Because that would be a whole lot better. 437-1620, I'm Andrew McKay. It's Pensacola Morning News. David Wayne's in the newsroom with our headlines. David? The Vatican sending out a telegram with a message from Pope Francis. Uh, they say he's deeply saddened to learn of the earthquake that devastated communities in western Japan on New Year's Day. 62 deaths have been confirmed. Hundreds more were injured. Rescue efforts still underway there. Former President Donald Trump has filed an appeal to get his name back on Maine's pre, uh, primary ballot. Trump's campaign claims that Maine Secretary of State Shanna Bellows is biased against him and should have recused herself from the decision to remove him from the ballot last week. And uh, SpaceX, with their first launch of what looks to be a busy year for him, a Falcon 9 was launched uh, Tuesday night from California, sending uh, 21 more Starlink satellites into orbit. All right. Very good, David. Thanks so much for the update. You know, the, the ongoing issues with President Trump, um, it, it because it keeps coming up, I would I would be just as glad to talk about many other things. But this just keeps being in the news. And, I mean, for obvious reasons. I mean, this is a major issue, not just the fact of the lawsuits, but the question of their uh, appro- appropriateness, especially given his candidacy to become president again, whether it's being just, you know, politics by other means. You know, all of those things are fair. This issue of... Um, disqualification under the 14th Amendment, which we have talked about many times. I had a thought about this that I have never quite had before, and so naturally I wanted to share it with you. I have long said that I do not hold President Trump responsible for the illegalities that happened. Uh, I think, you know, he, he gave a speech, people marched on the Capitol. A small subset of the people who were there in Washington, D.C. that day involved in this did illegal things inside the Capitol, uh, and, you know, many of them are being prosecuted. Um, or have been prosecuted. You also had people who engaged in what I would call more like, you know, some were maybe insurrectionists, a very small number. Some were more like rioters. Some were more like just kind of there in the crowd. And then a lot of people didn't even go on the grounds. And I have always said I don't hold President Trump responsible for this. He didn't cause it. He didn't create it. So to call him an insurrectionist is misguided. Did he give aid comfort by talking to the people who wound up doing violence? I mean, it's pretty... Thin, okay, and also you have other questions about the 14th Amendment, specifically that it doesn't mention the office of the president as being disqualified under the provisions that were intended for the Confederacy at the time. Okay, that's just all context. That's just backdrop. The one thing that occurred to me today I had never quite um, thought of before is in philosophy, we talk about causality in two different ways. We talk about the distinction, and not only philosophy, you know, logic, but, you know, I mean, science talks about this too. Uh, The distinctions between necessary and sufficient causation. You know, um, your car needs to have gas in the tank, assuming it's a traditional vehicle, in order for it to operate. So gasoline is a necessary cause for your car to start. But much like, you know, the ignition 
needs to be connected. Right? Okay? So those are necessary causes. But they're not sufficient. If either one's missing, the other one won't be enough. You follow? That's, the, that's, that's necessary causation. Sufficient causation means that if that thing is present, then the end result takes place. And sufficient causation typically has to do with all other things being present. Okay? And all other things being present, when you turn the key, the car goes. Right? But turning a key alone, if you don't have the electrical system connected, if, for example, you don't have gas in the engine, right? You follow me? Okay, necessary and sufficient causation. Um, sometimes the, the issue is that, like, for example, it's sufficient for you to get a disease like the flu for you to have come into cl close, close contact with somebody who already has it. Probably. But it's not necessary that you come in contact with them. Right? Could have been somebody else. It's, again, necessary and sufficient is just useful to understanding what I'm about to say about President Trump. I think it's fair to say that President Trump's speech and the rally were necessary causation to the mob slash riot slash protest slash insurrection, all of the things. But it wasn't sufficient. Look at it this way. Would the Capitol attack have happened if Trump hadn't called people to D.C. and then had the speech? I Clearly not. Clearly not. But does that mean that he is responsible legally for the event that happened? Not in the same way that you normally talk about a criminal being responsible for a crime. And that's, that's all I'm getting at. Uh, you know, if there's only one store in town that sells bullets, okay, and you buy bullets from that gun store, and then you later rob a bank, is the store responsible for you robbing the bank? No. But is it fair to say that without that store selling you the bullets, you couldn't rob the bank? I mean, yeah. But you still don't go after the store, not typically. So, uh, you know, just something to think about, the difference between necessary and sufficient causation. And it means that in one way, Trump is more responsible than I've ever said before, because if he hadn't, it wouldn't have. But that's not the same as saying that because he did, there was. That's all. Just something that I don't, I haven't heard anybody else quite make that point, And it was relatively new to me this morning. So, you know, just want to share it with you. Listen on air at 92.3, 95.3, and AM 1620. News Radio 92.3, WNRP, Golf Breeze, Milton, Pensacola.